Welcome to Family Office Connections. I'm Edward Marshall, Managing Director at Boston Private. Today, we continue our series of discussions focused on the results of the Family Office Survey that we released recently. In that report, we asked over 200 Family Office executives to give us their thoughts on risk and threat matters they face every day. The results were very interesting and illuminating on one hand. On the other hand, it posed some really interesting questions and provided some unexpected insights into the risk management characteristics and behaviors of family offices. The findings uh, open new areas uh, to evaluate and present opportunities for both families uh, and the advisors to those families uh, to address risk more effectively. My guest today is Kevin Helbert of Dentons. Uh, before we begin, Kevin, uh, please give us a, a little bit of background about yourself, and then uh, if you could talk about your experience with uh, family offices. Sure, hey, happy to be here with you. Uh, I was career U.S. government. I was in the CIA for a lot of years, and then I, I finished in the, at the FBI. Got out of that about five years ago, and uh, started working in corporate America, advising companies and individuals on on risks and uh, business intelligence and threats they face and uh, was happy to uh, work with you on this project thank you great so let's let's get started uh, talking about some of the the findings that we were uh, discussing around uh, the report here itself and in, in particular the one around underestimating of cyber risks uh, you know, we we certainly found uh, whether big or small, there was a lot of that activity going on uh, where families were underestimating uh, the, what the threat picture actually looked uh, to them. Is that something that you're seeing? And, and what are you seeing families that are doing well uh, against those types of threats do? Absolutely, it's something I'm seeing. And, and it's problematic because if you underestimate the risks, then you generally tend to not do anything uh, to set yourself up for success. Uh, and so the lack of planning for, for risks, you mentioned cyber in particular, is a, is a big, big issue. It wasn't that surprising to me because I see this all, time, all the time in family offices in that some officers are very, very good and they know what they're doing and they get out ahead of things. Other offices, not so much. They just don't seem to focus on the fact that they've got great risks out there, especially in the cyberspace, including uh, ransomware attacks and other things that might shut them down completely. And so they really ought to plan for this in advance. Offices that I see that do well in this are specifically the ones that recognize it as an issue, as a threat, and then they can build in countermeasures because we can frankly avoid most uh, cybersecurity incidents and ransomware and viruses and, and phishing attacks and you know building countermeasures against social engineering and all sorts of stuff. But you have to be aware of it and you've got to proactively go out and engage experts that'll help you step through that stuff so that you can harden your defenses. Another area, uh, Kevin, that we talked about is around insider threat. Uh, I know it's an area that you've looked at with family offices. What 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 are your reaction to the, the, some of the findings here in this report, especially around uh, you know keeping good background check uh, uh, modus operandi for a family office? Yeah, that stuff's vitally important, and a lot of people don't do it, and and that goes for corporate America as well as uh, family offices. 
many times at hiring, people will do a background check. Uh, I think uh, this study showed that 68% of people do this when staffs are hired. That's really good. Uh, but then if you talk about continuing, continuous monitoring, almost nobody does it. I, uh, I think the study said 80 or 90% of the people don't do any background checks. And I've seen that in big Fortune 500 companies too, where we'll get into a situation and we're consulting with a company and there'll be you know three employees involved in an untoward situation and maybe each employee has been on board for 15 or 20 years and literally no one in the, uh, the chief security office of that big company even looked at these guys over the last 15 years to see if they uh, got into trouble with the law, uh, declared personal bankruptcy, et cetera, et cetera. And those types of things are important to know. For example, I don't think most family offices would want somebody working inside the wire, inside their shop who had a criminal record or was convicted of embezzlement or fraud or had declared personal bankruptcy, uh, that sort of stuff. So and the initial background check is really, really important. But of course, uh, the ongoing stuff is really important too. Now, I, I mentioned I worked in the CIA and I worked in the FBI. And it's interesting because when you're put forward for promotion to the senior service in those organizations, you generally have maybe 20, 15, 20 years on board. And so they make sure, and of course, in the CIA and the FBI, there's kind of continuous monitoring. But if you're going to be named to an even higher position of authority and responsibility, uh, you're named to that uh, promotion list. And then the leadership says, hang on a second, let's take a hard look at this guy. Let's, you know, pull his financial records, you know, pull, uh, you know, do a criminal check, et cetera, et cetera. Let's talk to HR. Let's talk to everybody. Let's make sure they're good. Whereas I deal with billionaires. I've dealt with billionaires before that have people working in their houses that they're, they weren't even sure of their last name. So uh, I think that insider threat is a big deal and it's a big vulnerability that family offices in particular really have to think seriously about. So Kevin, uh, on that front, uh, beyond insider threat, you certainly deal with a lot of families that are global, meaning in multiple jurisdictions, uh, whether they have homes or businesses. What does travel risk look like to those families, you know, either during COVID, which I, I can imagine has its own uh, complexities to it, but, uh, you know, in a normal environment, how are you seeing family offices approach travel risk and are they doing a good job of it and are there areas for an improvement? It's funny that, again, like a lot of things, it's, some families do it very well, some families do it sort of, some families don't do it at all. internationally. Problems can be a lot worse depending on where you're going. Western Europe, not so bad. Uh, you know, some parts of Mexico, very dangerous. And, and of course, the rest of the world's a mixed bag as well. So you've got to think about where you're going. I mean, there are, there are certain companies that can advise you on, you know, protocols for different areas. I mean, you get outside of the States and, and you've got significant rule of law issues in some countries. Uh, there's much more need for self-sufficiency to be able to take care of yourself. Uh, you should certainly think about medical issues when you're traveling. Uh, there are some services that are available 
some of the partners we deal with, for example, uh, medevac, air ambulance stuff. You can buy air ambulance uh, uh, emergency response for, you know, two or $300 a year, which seems incredibly cheap when you think they'd spend, you know, $700,000 to fly a private plane in to evacuate you somewhere if you got into a, a real serious medical situation. So the biggest thing, again, is plan and, the, and uh, think of those things. And, you know, is your medical insurance even, even valid? And how would you exfil from this country if you went there? And what's the rule of law like? Can you call the police if you're there? Or is that a bad thing to do to call the police? So a lot more need with international travel or self-sufficiency. So, uh, you know, from where you sit, you certainly have um, a global perspective of how families are doing. So I'm always interested to hear what the mindset is and, and kind of what the threats are outside of North America. Are you seeing anything different, whether you're, you're talking to families or working with families in Latin America, Europe, or Asia? Yeah, I mean... In a lot of those places, you have a lot more physical security challenges. In Mexico, for example, I know Mexico well and have clients there, and I, I uh, lived there for over 10 years. We speak Spanish in the house, and so we're uniquely well-positioned to advise clients on Mexico. Mexico is challenging because there are some parts of Mexico that are so dangerous, statistically, I'd rather be in Iraq or Syria. Uh, I mean, the, the, some of the pretty strong statements. It is very strong, but statistically, it's true. Uh, the, some of the northern areas, like Ciudad Juarez and some other places, are very, very dangerous. Uh, other areas, you know, not so bad, but the the murder rate is going up drastically there, and there's very little rule of law, and there's no one to call when things go bad. So, so that's an issue. Western Europe is really an interesting place because as great as it is, and you know, my wife is European and we spent a lot of time there and I've been CIA chief of station in Europe, uh, odd things happen in Europe. I mean, you've got, you've got weird criminal enterprises and, and kidnapping and other issues. And so you have to be cautious about where you're going in Europe in what you're doing, especially the, the high net worth crowd. I mean, I know I've got German clients and I know of a case in German, Germany where a young person in Germany was specifically targeted via social media. And the bad guys knew that she tended to walk her dog around the neighborhood uh, after dinner because she posted about it on Facebook. And then these guys were real amateurs, unfortunately, and, and kind of thuggish. And they used, she was targeted over social media or Facebook and she was uh, kidnapped and then unfortunately killed during the kidnapping. And uh, it's a horrifying case because we think of Germany as being a, a pretty safe place, but it's horrifying for a lot of reasons. One is this woman was specifically a young woman. It was a girl like 15 as I recall. She was specifically targeted on, on her social media, on Facebook. And then uh, uh, targeted that way and kidnapped and, and ultimately didn't survive it. So there's a lot of uh, challenges. And she was specifically targeted, too, because she was the daughter of a wealthy German industrialist. So uh, there's threats out there no matter where you are, especially for high net worth people, whether in the U.S. or 
Western Europe. The thing that's challenging today is that 20 years ago, you could be relatively anonymous if you had uh, a lot of wealth in, in, uh, in Western Europe or the US or anywhere. Nowadays, if you're traveling, people immediately Google you and it'll come up almost immediately if you're a wealthy person. So that's a big risk that's, that's probably growing and much, much bigger today than 25 years ago. It was almost non-existent. Any uh, thoughts and uh, recommendations for, for families that are trying to stay off the radar? I mean, it, as you mentioned, it, it, it gets increasingly harder uh, with all the digital exhaust and all the different pieces of our lives that are out there and, and, and findable. Yeah, that, uh, that's a great question. I think one of the big things I recommend is, is teaching your children. If you've got children, teaching your children what they should and should not do on the internet, teaching your children about you know the most common internet scams out there uh teaching your children that if you post pictures of the vacation home in kidsville online there's metadata in those photos that would tell somebody exactly where you live uh you know there's so many vulnerabilities out there on the internet and frankly most adults have no idea what their 16-year-old kids are doing on the internet. And if they don't know any better, a lot of minors will wind up making, making silly mistakes. And I've seen that happen a lot. So you need to teach your kids about social media, about the risks of social media, about the risks of people being able to target where you are. Uh, all kinds of kids now uh, posted on social media where exactly they are, they are, so that their friends can always, you know, quickly look them up and say, "Oh, my friend, my uh, my friend Jasmine is at the uh, store and whatever, or at the vacation home here or there." So that's a big vulnerability. I don't like those uh, apps that provide location settings. There's privacy settings on all this social media, from Instagram to Facebook to everything else that you can really neck down what people know and make sure they only know what you want them to know. Uh, as I mentioned, you can take off locational stuff on photographs. Most people don't even know that's there. Uh, use virtual VPNs when you're accessing the internet, all sorts of stuff like that. That's probably the single biggest thing I might do other than the obvious physical security stuff you want to pay attention to. Well, uh, thanks, Kevin. Uh, Really appreciate you joining me today. And, and to the folks that are listening, if you'd like to get in touch with Kevin or if you have any questions, do send us an email to familyoffice at bostonprivate.com. I'd also recommend that you check out our website. You can find numerous resources, download the white paper that uh, Kevin and I discussed today, sign up for our newsletter, get this podcast and much, much more in your inbox. Uh, that website is bostonprivate.com forward slash family office. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. Well, that's it for today. Check back for a new podcast next week. Bye, everybody. This podcast is solely for informational purposes and is not a solicitation or an offer to buy any security or instrument or to participate in any trading strategy. The opinions expressed and information contained in this podcast are given in good faith, may be subject to change without notice, and are as of the date issued.
All sourced information is believed to be reliable, but has not been independently verified. This podcast discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic, market, or political conditions, and should not be construed as personalized investment advice. The following does not represent a complete analysis of every material fact with respect to the topics covered herein. All investments carry a risk of loss. Neither BPW nor its investment professionals or representatives provide tax, accounting, or legal advice. Listeners should review any planned financial transactions or arrangements that may have tax, accounting, or legal implications with their advisors. For additional information about us, please refer to our Form ADV Disclosure Brochure, which may be obtained by contacting us at 800-422-6172 or info at bostonprivate.com. Private banking and trust services are offered through Boston Private Bank and Trust Company, a Massachusetts chartered trust company. Wealth management services are offered through Boston Private Wealth LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor and wholly-owned subsidiary of Boston Private Bank and Trust Company. Boston Private Bank is an FDIC member and equal housing lender. Investments are not FDIC-insured, not bank-guaranteed, and may lose value.